0: Good morning, good evening, welcome once more to the All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast. You can call off the search parties. you can stop the searchlights looking, you can put down your rescue helicopters. Rafe has returned! Hello Rafe!
1: Hello everybody, yes this is All About Windows Phone Insight number 79. I'm just back from Abu Dhabi where Nokia held their... Probably last ever Nokia World event and there's plenty of news, new devices, software and everything else to talk through. So that's what's going to be the main focus in this podcast.
0: Before we do that, Nokia World was when? The 22nd of October, yes? Yes. It's the 29th of October.
1: Yeah, this is the first time we've all been able to get together to actually record this and all been in the same place at the same time, not interrupted by power cuts, broadband outages, illnesses or storm. So thank you, everyone, for being patient. Uh, but we've all had a chance now to digest some of the news, so we'll be even more uh, insightful than usual. Mm, insightful, informative,
0: entertaining. Uh, Steve, you can have two of those three attributes. Which would you like? <laughs> I'll have all three.
2: Have all, all about windows phone <laughs> insight podcast
0: yes we shall have all three right let's start off um actually let's start off with one little thing i wanted to highlight first uh, about nokia world Reef. given you were on the ground maybe you'll get that a lot of people are saying this is the last nokia world we have the the fact that services and devices are being purchased by microsoft the vote still has to go through it's not actually inked through yet and it's way around because everybody was assuming it was the last one. And I'm assuming they're spending the last of their marketing budget to put you in camel racing or something in the Abu Dhabi desert. Uh, but at the same time, because of antitrust laws, Nokia have to treat this as if the, the, the purchase by Microsoft was not going to go through.
1: That's right. I mean, make no mistake, I don't think anyone really expects it not to go through at this point. The first uh, regulatory approvals have come through, there'll be a shareholder meeting in a few weeks' time. But you're right, in in some ways it's probably likely that there's less talking between and Microsoft going on at the moment because of these, as you say, the regulatory laws, the antitrust stuff, than there was a couple of months ago before this was all announced. Uh, But at the same time, I think you have to be realistic and say, yes, this is the last Nokia world. And there was a certain amount of oh, bittersweetness about that amongst, I think, some of the Nokia staff and some of the media as well who've been to a lot of these events, myself included. But at the same time, there was kind of this acknowledgement that actually, with the Microsoft acquisition, it's not sort of a merger where something's going to disappear or be subsumed. It's very true to say that Nokia's going kind to of been picked up and put into Microsoft from the point of view of devices and services. So we're going to continue seeing devices. Uh, I think the other thing that people may not really fully appreciate is that the product planning, you know, planning for future devices, i.e. what would have been Nokia World 2014, has already begun. I mean, these products have, you know, development cycles of anything up to two years, sometimes even more, particularly for the flagship devices. So what Nokia is working on now is actually stuff that will come out in 12, 18 months' time. And so it's actually going to be a while before we see any real impact from the Microsoft thing. Beyond the superficial level, there'll be some changing around naming and marketing and how money gets spent. And so even when that happens, it's going to be the same people doing it. So I wouldn't dwell too much on it being the the last um, Nokia World event. The only thing really is going to be about the brand. It's not going to be Nokia Lumia. It's going to be something else, Lumia or maybe just Lumia and the kind of the perception that that creates. And and that shouldn't be ignored altogether, but from a business point of view, uh, I think you can overemphasize that, you know, it's the last ever, Nokia's going away. That's just not really true.
0: Indeed, yeah. Otherwise, it would just be like an Elton John concert. (laughs) So, Steve, uh, no, 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 no implication of Elton John, by the way. Uh, Steve, obviously <laughs> you would have picked up and went, oh, camera phone with the camera on there. The, the Lumia 1520 was the one that, that caught your eye in all the leaks and everything, and it came out. It's, it's seen as the flagship. It's got this 20-point weird number megapixel. Um, it's a big six-inch screen. Um, is it the flagship? Is it is it the camera phone for the masses
2: that we'll be looking for from Windows Phone? It's certainly a flagship Windows phone in terms of the size. If you, if, if you automatically associate flagship with biggest, it's certainly not the flagship camera phone because, uh, to my mind, the, the best camera phone is the one with the best camera, the 1020 easily. Um, not- I, I meant
0: that for, for, for regular people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to that. <laughs> so the 1020 is, is the one that the shutterbugs will go for, if only because of the, the higher megapixels, the greater degree of pure view zoom and oversampling, and of course that Xenon flash. The 1520, however, is kind of the, 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 the word phablet keeps popping up. Everyone hates that word, but until someone comes up with a better term, a six-inch screen phone with the fairly large bezels of a of, of Windows phone device makes for a pretty hefty form factor. I, I would hesitate to call that a mainstream phone, but it's it is certainly a flagship. It, the fact that it's got a, a pretty decent camera with some pure view oversampling is kind of incidental. You and I would argue. I mean, it's Nokia saying that we've got this technology, we can now do some pretty good cameras with some oversampling. Some lost the zoom. Hey, let's put it in. But it's not a, a camera phone per se, so that we don't need to put a Xenon flash in. But it's a great phone. It's a flagship of all our current best technology. It's our biggest device. Let's give it a decent camera. So taken across the board the specs of this thing are fairly monstrous in line i would hesitate to say with um, with the actual form factor rave what's the reaction to the fifteen
0: is it, twenty? is it seen as as an, an inevitability uh, that nokia went to a six inch from a wedding for microsoft was there a buzz or was it a, of course you did that next
1: uh, i think there was a, a sense of inevitability about this and i, I think you really need to divide the kind of the views of this into two Nokia was going to do a large screen device because that's what the market demands. I think you have to recognise though that it's actually quite geographically spread the demand for this particular device or this form factor. You know, people talk about South Korea being the centre of this large screen smartphone and, and Steve mentioned the word phablet. like him. I don't really like it. It was noticeable that Nokia never actually used that word themselves. They refer to it as a large screen smartphone. That, I think, actually works quite well because this is what this is. This isn't, you know, a specialist uh, device. And The Samsung Galaxy Note is a good example, you know, a large screen device, but they've sort of added some pen stuff on top and um, for a particular market. Whether that works or not is a, a different debate, but this is very much kind of, actually, it, it feels like the Nokia Lumia 925 and someone's pressed 150% on the photocopier button uh, the actual design of it is very similar in many ways. It doesn't have the kind of the two materials of the 925, but it does have that same shaping and uh, sort of modest camera hump on the back. But, you know, you pick up this device, and the first thing you notice is the size of the device. So this is all about being you know, a six-inch uh, smartphone uh, in, in terms of the screen. The resolution of the screen has gone up 1080p, and, I mean, actually the screen is easily the most impressive thing about this device. Uh for me personally, I think that's going to be too big. It doesn't fit in the hand uh, comfortably. You have to use two hands when you're using the device, but it's got all the usual kind of Nokia hallmarks of great industrial design, good component choice. It, you know, it fits together well. The design is nicer, some usual lumia color ranges and so all of that was kind of ticking the boxes of of what was expected and i think there's that inevitability about filling out the lumia portfolio we talked about this before And, and, and both the 1520 and the 1320 kind of fall into that kind of you know something that nokia hasn't had before i think the more interesting bits to look at in some ways that tell us more about the future are some of the bits that are inside the 1520 there's some noticeable changes for example this is the first Nokia device to use uh, a nano SIM. It's also got a micro SD card, so that's something I'm sure Steve will be uh, happy about. But also, it's a new internal hardware family. It's the Snapdragon 800. It's also got you know the extra RAM. And that means it's a significantly more powerful uh, device. Now, part of that you can put down to the screen and things like that, You know, it's having to do extra because this is a 1080p resolution screen. We've got three live tiles across the start screen. But it's also about bringing the Windows Phone hardware family up to date that's a processor that is you know the equal of anything on an android device you know that snapdragon 800 you know it's right at the cutting edge and it's a big step on from what you've got in the 925 and the 1020 incidentally that is reflected in camera performance much better shot to shot time for example but that 20 megapixel camera module that steve talked about uh, yes it's not measuring up to the 1020 but it's a step on from the 925 actually it's sort of more of a hybrid between the 925 and the 1020 the actual uh sensor size hasn't changed all that much but there's some new algorithms in there the 20 megapixels makes the reframing thing a bit more realistic so if you take all of those that's actually a big step forward for nokia's lumia windows phone platform and it doesn't take a genius to work out that nokia will translate most of that new hardware into you know a 930 or 940 or whatever it happens to be called in due course and i think that you know four and a half inch maybe five inch screen device will be kind of the mainstream flagship device but uh, like steve i would say the 1520 is it's not as niche as something like the 1020 and even even calling the niche for the 1020 is a bit of a misnomer given how hard it's being pushed uh, in the mainstream but uh it, you know Yes, it's a flagship device, but it's perhaps not the flagship device. But I was really impressed by this far more than I thought I would be. I mean, that's partly about the new hardware in it. But Nokia set out to create a large screen smartphone and they've done it really, really well. And if that's what you want and you want it running Windows Phone, you'll not be disappointed at all with the 1520.
0: I just worry that the whole idea of this six inch in in the tweener category um, is manufacturers looking to make something new have we got any sort of adoption figures on things like the note compared to the to the the galaxy s3s and the s4s and the the sony um experience ultras do they actually sell in significant numbers
1: they're not selling at the the same level as the flagships you know the the s3 and the s4 outside the note 2 and the note 3 but that's kind of as you'd expect this is why i'm saying it, it's not a you know the mainstream flagship But they have sold in surprisingly large numbers. I mean, I personally never thought they'd catch on, but it just goes to prove (laughs) you're very rarely right. Um, Samsung's enjoyed a lot of success with this, and others have followed suit and done quite well. You know, Sony's a, a good example, and plenty of the Chinese OEM. And there isn't anything really in this Windows phone space. And as I say, there are some software customizations to take advantage of the bigger screen. But a lot of the time, actually, these bigger screen devices are just about having things bigger on the screen it's not necessarily about you know squeezing on more things i mean samsung has done some interesting stuff there with you know splitting the windows in half um, but we've seen all the manufacturers follow this and it is because they are selling and there seem to be two markets for this it seems to be uh, older men who you know want a phone where they can see the screen easily without maybe needing to put on reading glasses or something like that where Adels- has he gone <laughs> well, i think that's a little <laughs> unfair. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then also, <laughs> well. particularly in Asia, it seems to be really popular uh, amongst uh, women who are keeping the device in their handbag. Because I think you know, with these six-inch screen devices, unless you've got very big pockets, you know, it is hard to keep it in your pocket without you know noticing it when you sit down or sort of getting in the way. it's Sort of the five, five and a half, it seems to be about the limit there. But of course, if you're not keeping it in the pocket, if you've got a bag to keep it in that doesn't become uh, a factor and I think for some people as well you know unless you get down to the foreign screen it, it's hard to use device one hand and at that point well if you want a big screen device you want to consume media on it maybe going up to six inches makes more sense without going up to, to tablet you know, it's not an area that I've seen very much writing on but there's no doubt at all that it is a, a product category that sort of has come alive and I think Samsung really has to be given the the credit for it uh, but well, I expect to see Nokia do with the fifteen twenty. It will probably launch somewhat, you know, globally. But the main push for this is undoubtedly going to be, I think, in Asia. And that was kind of reflected in the way that the device was talked about. And so it, it's interesting. This is a device that a lot of people got excited about, but I don't see it as quite such a global mainstream device uh, uh, as perhaps the kind of the fuss around it and it being launched at Nokia World would suggest. I think while it's the only, you know, Nokia device that's running this new hardware platform you know with the high resolution screen and all those other nice bits and pieces it's going to get a lot of attention but as soon as you get another device come along which will presumably happen maybe at mwc next year that has all of those bits but in a uh, in a device that sort of got a more reasonable or a more standard screen size i think what makes it special will will, you know step back a little bit i mean as i say it's a device for those that want the large screen and in that sense i do think nokia have have done a good job but I, I can't see it being quite as popular, particularly in Western Europe, as something like the 925 or even the 1020.
0: Can I just check, Ray? We, we don't have some sort of side bet going on where we have to get as many British panto calls into the podcast <laughs> today, do we? Uh,
1: not that I'm aware
0: of. Because we've just had, the, you've said that it's hard to use it one-handed or to keep it in your pocket, and about five and a half inches is your limit.
1: Yes, well, if you uh, mind is in the gatter, we'll keep 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 um oh thank you you really made me lose it my on. stride
0: <laughs> yeah like, god keep it up keep it up keep it up right then um i suppose um the the fact that this is a device that's focused um on the asia pacific and and the break countries also explains the, the positioning of the 1320 which certainly to westernize for the big five in europe and america seems a very interesting device but one that doesn't have a lot of appeal mid-range Six-inch screen smartphone, um, the the lower end specs of you know five megapixel camera, one gig of RAM, eight gig of internal storage, thankfully micro SD support. Um, the thirteen twenty is is the budget version. It's like HTC's 8x 8s strategy that Nokia have got with the fifteen twenty and the thirteen twenty. This is really targeted towards the pay as you go markets, where the fifteen twenties in the territories so where the fifteen twenty is targeted at monthly markets.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, in some ways, this is like the 920 and the 820 were on the original Windows Phone 8 launch. I think uh, Nokia have tightened up a bit because the 820, I don't think, did as well as people were expecting. And It's is is a d- shame. It, it is a shame because it was a, a good device. and It just it seemed to fall between the get ignored a bit. And actually, it's had more success in the kind of the back half of its product cycle than it, it did initially. I think reflecting that actually it's quite a decent little handset. Um, the 1320 is very clearly designed down to a price but you do get quite a bit for your money it's going to get compared to something like the lumia 625 but this is you know significantly better than that so it's definitely moving out of the low end and towards the mid-tier and you say a 6 inch green 720p it works absolutely fine it's that lower price point i think it was 339 dollars sim free before tax and subsidies it's kind of that higher end spec although it's actually running on the same processor i think as the Lumia 625 so theoretically it's sort of a lower spec combined with a bit of higher spec because it's got the giga ram the camera is nothing special uh, that's a good example where you know the price point's really been you know coming into play in the hand it does feel like a, a cheaper device it's like all mid-tier devices; they don't really seem to attract the interest, particularly at the launch event, and even you know when they become available in the high street. But there are lots of people who are going to be going, "Oh, I'd really like a six-inch screen device, but I can't really justify the price point of the 1520, which you know is expensive. It's kind of the most expensive uh, Lumia device uh, you can get. Well, so sort of, uh, up there with the 1020 anyway. You know, if people want that bigger screen and just want something that's a bit more reasonable in the price department, actually the 1320 could be quite attractive again i think this is going to be targeted at particular markets and maybe even sort of particular operators will range this it, it feels like a handset that's come about as a result of Nokia showing off their portfolio and operator saying uh we need something with those specs in this price point and can you can you do something um it's got kind of the rounded edges it feels you know pretty comfortable in the hand it, it is quite reminiscent in some ways the design and styling of the 520 yet at this six inch form factor obviously the specs have been bumped up a bit it didn't get very much love at nokia well people weren't so interested in it i mean in the keynote it was sort of dismissed in a few minutes
0: it didn't even get an official youtube launch video from nokia (laughs) well there we go youtube channel there's like we've got the 1520 we've got the camera we've got this we've got spy time we've got smashing photographer who takes pictures of deer in the middle of scotland and next to capa kelly not one thing that said this is a 1320 it's a phone
1: that that's right, but it's going to have a lot of the sort of knocky experiences, and we'll get onto some of the new software in a minute. But yeah, it's got the three live tiles across the home screen, which, contrary to my expectations, actually works very well, particularly on those larger screen devices. It 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 just feels like you can get a lot more pinned onto the home screen, and it doesn't feel as messy as I thought it would. You're right. You know, the thirteen twenty probably doesn't spark interest in quite the same way. So it's going to be really interesting to to see how this does. You know, we'll no doubt get some. Sets a few months down the line uh, it's probably worth noting this is going to come out a little bit later than the 1520 the 1520 should make it out before the end of the year it should be available in the run up to christmas the 1320 might make it in a few markets but in terms of some of the key markets it's actually going to be after christmas in all likelihood um, that's partly because this device is going to sort of debut out in asia whereas the 1520 is going to get a bit more of a global launch
0: I, and also we have to remember the 625 really just came out last month as well so this is it's not as if they've taken the 625 and had design input from customer feedback on that one the 625 was always going out the 1320 was always coming out at this that, point
1: that, that's in time right as you, well you know these are two separate products that actually have different price points and slightly different you know points in the portfolio um Uh, you know this is always the way you know people will look at one device and say oh it's replacing that or it's better than that well yes it is that's kind of the nature of a portfolio when you're getting one product released at a time and as i said with the 1520 there'll be products matching that kind of internal spec before too long and people will talk about that as the new flagship and uh, okay the 1320 may not be as exciting but uh, it'll probably end up outselling the 1520 just because of that price point difference
0: Right then, Um, you've written down in the notes that we should talk about the 2520. So uh, first question is, why are we talking about an RT device that is probably going to be cancelled for the Surface 2 RT by the time that the devices and services sections is purchased by Microsoft?
1: (laughs) Well, that's um, a pretty damning uh, opinion, Ewan. I actually think this is the best... Deny it, go on, deny it. This is the best Windows RT tablet I've seen. It's one of those things when you see it as well the Surface, some of the uh, Dell ones as well, some of the early ones from the last generation. Uh, the Surface 2 is a, a really nice device, but I actually think Nokia have done a better job doing this. And they have talked about creating a mobility product. Basically, that means it's got LTE connectivity and great battery life, but it brings in the industrial design language from the Lumia. So, I mean, at first glance, you look at these, they're clearly part of the same family. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it. But also, more than any other of the RT tablets I've seen, this kind of gave me a a glimpse of the future. It's like looking through smoked glass, that you see how those tablets running Windows RT and Windows Phone are going to come together. And I think whether it's this year or more likely 2015, we'll see a merger of those two bits of software. And I think in all likelihood, it will be Windows Phone adding more capability and reaching up to the tablet space than the other way around. And so I think it's time, you know, if you're writing about Windows Phone, you can't afford to ignore these tablets altogether. And while we won't be going into necessarily the same level of detail as we do for the uh, other products, we will be covering it because it's part of the Lumia family. And you know, Nokia were very keen to talk about companion experiences. They very much saw something like the 2520 as being a companion to Windows Phone devices and perhaps also to PC devices. We saw that in some of the, the software they've got running on it here, Maps, Nokia Music, there's a new uh, Nokia Storyteller, which we'll talk about in a bit. So there's, there's kind of two things there. I, I sort of see a, a point of merger, and so let's start talking about it now because it's going to be part of the Windows Phone future. Also, as I say, it's a, a companion device. It's part of the same portfolio. And so I think when you're assessing Windows Phone and and Nokia's efforts in this area of creating mobile devices, it would be short-sighted to ignore it altogether. Um, And uh, as I say, I was not expecting to be at all impressed by Nokia's first tablet. I think the discussion is always going to be around Windows RT, which has been, I think it's fair to say, written off for dead by uh, many observers. I I personally think that's a little unfair. It's because... you know, people see it running windows and they expect to treat it like a pc this is not a pc this is competing against some of the android tablets and against the ipad obviously that second one that's a really big ask and there's a real issue around apps here i think that's that's a given but when you start looking at it maybe with a bit of an enterprise hat on or if you're looking to do productivity on the road or you know as of the ultimate mobility device there's actually something to be said for this this device now i don't expect it to sell in vast numbers but if you're going to get into the tablet space nokia had to start somewhere and i think they bought all their experience from their lumia smartphones and put it into this device and the result is really quite impressive it's a, it's a stuff like the build quality they've really thought about the accessory the power keyboard that comes with it it's a very good keyboard it's better than the uh, the, the the keyboard options for the surface it's you know there are other very good keyboards for tablets out there but the kind of thinking that goes into this one getting the extended battery life that you get with it as well as two usb ports and something that folds around and really feels like a proper case you know it feels like you could carry your tablet around without having anything else you know particularly if you're putting it in you know a, a bag or something like that so i was impressed from that point of view but also the level of work that's gone into the integration on the Qualcomm side it's a snapdragon 800 but it's in terms of power efficiency it's very very impressive which is given the long battery life and the performance is better than the surface 2 now that's just from the very early look it, it's hard to you know, be accurate about this without running benchmarks but that was actually a feeling that was shared by quite a lot of people in the media and i think it's the, this 2520 generated a surprising amount of buzz and i think it'll be interesting to see how well that translates into the retail world you know whether actually sells well you know nokia being quite cautious with this device they're launching initially in the us the uk and finland will push it out to more markets in due course but in some ways it's kind of like a learning process i think you know they have to get into tablet space you know there's no question that tablets are becoming important and if you're going to do mobile devices you need to think about doing tablets i think very few people would disagree with that assertion. And so for Nokia, it's a natural space to go into. But you, you, you sort of go, ah, but iPad, ah, but Windows RT. And you sort of go, well, how else would Nokia have done it? And, you know, you have to start somewhere. Uh, and it it does feel like you know it's got a bit of a millstone around its neck with Windows RT. I, you know I think that has to be part of the conversation. But you take that away just for a moment, you look at it and you find a piece of hardware that measures up to any other tablet out there, and arguably has some things from the kind of its Nokia heritage that give it a, you know a real push compared to everything else out there. And uh, I think you know the biggest compliment that people compare it. You know, it was out at the event. People were sort of comparing it favorably. To the iPhone, uh, sorry, to the iPad, the iPad Air, the new iPads, and saying, "Okay, you know, obviously we have to take into account these various factors, but just looking at the hardware, Nokia produced something first time, you know, the first tablet device. Um, well, if you ignore the kind of the Mamo internet tablets from years ago, actually seven, feels the seven series, and the seven indeed. And the series eighty uh, devices. <laughs> shall we keep going? Fa- thank you. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, tablets in the modern context, shall we say? It's actually something that was really quite impressive. As I say, I I expected, having seen the leaks and sort of an tablet, I thought, are they really going to be able to bring anything to the table? And I think they have. Now, with all that said, a bit of event bubble and kind of step back and talking to several people since there's a degree of skepticism, which is quite merited. But I look forward to trying out this device and seeing whether, you know, my initial kind of optimism and enthusiasm is sustained by actually trying it out in the real world.
0: What you mean? Where it's not nice and sunny and warm, and you're not being fed canopies uh, <laughs> from from the back of someone dressed up as Lawrence of Arabia? Yes, uh,
1: well, well, that's right. And you know, the practical. We just we just have to get the disclosure in the
0: podcast. That's all we I'm do.
1: saying. We do, and you know, it's the things like Will having here maps on it make a difference? You know, the Nokia yeah. Music bundle. Um, you know, it's bundled with the Nokia Music service, so you'll get Nokia Music free on this tablet as you do on the phones. You know, otherwise, on other uh, Windows 8 devices, you do have to pay for it. And there's various experience. Nokia storyteller. We'll, we'll get onto that in a moment. Nokia produced just enough software to, you know, create something a little bit different. And uh, Nokia rightly have a very, very solid reputation for producing great smartphone hardware. I think they produce great tablet hardware. Uh, the I- issue again is going to be around the software, and the ball is really in Microsoft's court for that. You, you mentioned right at the top there that you know Microsoft would replace um, it, you know, the Surface 2 would sort of subsume it and the 2520 would disappear i wouldn't be surprised if uh, microsoft takes a look at the 2520 and the undoubted fellow on tablets that are on development and goes okay maybe we'll uh, throw away our surface efforts or the surface you know device will be about those looking to come down from a pc and particularly with the pro device you know that's a a laptop replacement device The nokia's approach by contrast has come up from smartphones and with the mobility at the very heart of what they're doing and so i'd expect something like the surface pro to continue and that's a completely different product category but the actual surface i.e the windows rt device i would expect nokia to take the lead in that
0: we're going to come back to those words in about six months' time, I think. We are. Those are, those are. those are very, very interesting ones, especially as in about six months' time, I'm expecting huge rumors about the iPad Pro. Indeed. <laughs> like, That's Chekhov's gun right there. Here's the iPad. We're calling it the iPad Air. Uh, well, well, we know what happens next in every other line from Apple. Um, and this is my issue, because I am, I am betwixt thoughts on... The, the Windows RT and, and the Lumia twenty five twenty. I've no doubt that the hardware is solid; that it will feel wonderful in the hand. The touchscreen will be responsive, and everything everything will go. When it comes down to actual use, um, I I struggle personally to see how it fit into my life. Okay, so there's a there's a matter of personal there. I know that when I picked up and reviewed the the sony xperia z tablet which is a 10 inch screen device at sixteen-nine ratio um again amazing build quality you can use it up to five meters depth underwater for half an hour so it's great for taking uh in the swimming pool uh so you could read your Amazon and kindle at the bottom of the pool where you're practicing or in your aqua lung stuff uh but you know when it came down to it it just did the same sort of stuff as my phone did uh the the, the extra things that it could do Didn't outweigh the extra weight, the extra charging, the extra bulk of the device. Uh, And it it does come down to software. Right now, if you put all the tablets out in front of me uh, that are available on the market and said you can have one and we're going to drop you in a conference for a week, then I would more than likely grab the new iPad mini.
1: And I think that's the problem that the twenty five twenty and indeed any other tablet faces. At the same time, I don't think that's a reason for anyone not to try and do a tablet. And so, yes, they're absolutely you know having to struggle uphill against you know a really entrenched competition. Uh, for all the reasons that you know people have talked about why the iPad iPad works so well, in particularly the latest revision, you've got choices there. But um this twenty five twenty actually is going to be pretty competitively priced because it's got the lt connectivity built in because it's got the micro sd expansion it it does provide more options on the hardware front is that enough no probably not and i agree with you i think if people were presented with a straight choice they probably are going to go and pick up an ipad whether that be the mini or the air or a forthcoming pro but that is just enough you know there's a reason that we don't have a monoculture of products you know people don't always choose the same thing and you could look at it as enterprise users deciding they want a a Microsoft experience. And I think this is the thing that will really be the selling point for the 2520 in the tablet space. It's the best uh, way to have the Microsoft ecosystem running on a device like that, particularly if you're a fan or you like the Nokia industrial design. And I think there's a, you know, it's not a massive segment, but there is a segment that will fit into that particular category. And I think, Nokia and Microsoft in the future may well be able to to build from there. I don't have a lot of time for people going, well, if people are going to choose the iPad, don't bother launching it at all. You know, that could be true of any product segment. You know, Nokia was uh, disrupted. There was a time when Android had a really small share. And I think if you you know look forward a bit and see, as so say, Windows RT, perhaps merging with Windows Phone, getting closer to desktop Windows as well, you can see a potentially very powerful kind of combination of currents and trends coming in that gives a a potential future. And I wouldn't at all say that it's guaranteed by any means, but I think there's a perhaps more certainty around that than there is looking at the Android tablet space. that feels quite fragmented. And we're seeing Amazon do a really interesting approach, but it does feel very separate to kind of mainstream Android tablets as I say, it's early days, so it's very difficult to judge this kind of thing. Um, but all I can really say is, coming away from it, was I was impressed by the hardware. I thought it was the best Windows RT tablet I've seen, and actually, I think it's you know hardware from any tablet point of view that you know really measures up. The reasons for that are the build quality. I think the bringing in the Lumia color range is a, a, a nice touch, but it's also about the overall performance, the battery life, which you know having a device that you know for mobile workers that can last all day and some with LTE connectivity I don't think can be underestimated you know and it can be matched elsewhere but as i say it, it, it's a product that definitely leaves you in two minds and so it's going to be really interesting to see how this one does and i'm still kind of digesting it as you can probably tell and i think Ewan's uh, uh, skepticism is, is well warranted but at the same time i think it would be a mistake to dismiss the product out of hand
0: uh, not at least until you've had your review copy sent over for a couple of weeks yes
1: <laughs> well i'm very interested to review this device a lot of devices you think i need to get through this but from a personal point of view it'll be interesting to see how it fits into your life i think as someone who's you know not um mobile every day it may think and go well it's ideal for when you're traveling but do i need it day out day in day out in the office and like you the answer is probably not and that you know do you really need a tablet um, and that's for work versus the consumer usage. And uh, I think on the consumer side, it is weak. And, you know, you will would get an iPad. On the productivity side, I actually think it's quite a strong offering. Um, so, as I say, two minds about it, which is one of the reasons I'm so keen to actually try it out for real.
0: Fair enough. then. right, we should mention the Nokia Ashes, but we're looking at the time of the podcast. So, Rafe, uh, 23 seconds on the
1: Ashes. An update, or rather, an addition to the range of the 501, the 500, the 502, and the 503 with extra bits respectively 503 perhaps the most interesting the first one with uh 3g it's undoubtedly going to get various services on top of that with here maps music in due course i would imagine interesting new design the kind Nine. of the new dual shot uh, and Eight. so asha continues on um feels like it's got a limited shelf life perhaps when you look at the smartphones but designing to a price point and lots of the nokia experiences on it
0: Twenty three seconds and he takes twenty nine. Ah, uh, there we go. Um, third lecture podcast just for you because that's how we roll. Ah, uh, right, Steve, are you still awake? <laughs> just about. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! You've been looking at something called Raw, which isn't the new single from Katy Perry,
1: unfortunately. Oh, about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Did
0: you? Uh, look, I know. I know. You practice a long time to get those lines, Steve. I'm sorry. You could probably get something in with the new album title though. Um, I don't know that one. Oh, fair enough, then. will I'll keep that one for next week for you. But anyway, uh, lots of imaging news coming out of Nokia World as well. Almost all in the software front. Obviously, we have the 1520 um, from the hardware. But let, let's look at that software changes. And, and let's start with RAW, because after Xenon Flash, it's probably one of the things that will have caught the eye of the professional photographer.
2: Yes and no. It, it, this, is more, <laughs> this is more kind of a bullet point for people like me something yes i'd i'd love to have that camera phone because it's got the option of shooting images in raw and yes but i'm not actually going to use it 99.9 percent of the time you see anyone who's actually interested in raw I- images uh, raw data from the sensor you know with no jpeg compression the way uh 30 40 50 megabyte images that you can do wonderful things on, on a very powerful desktop computer with all those gpus um yes It's wonderful to have that as an option, but you're not going to use that day-to-day. And if you're interested in that sort of thing, you're going to have a standalone DSLR and you'll be doing it on that. So looking at Venn diagrams, the intersection between people who like taking photographs on a phone and people who actually like processing raw images is actually quite small. But I can see from Nokia's point of view, it's probably very easy to integrate on. They've got this data at at the sensor level, so why not... Um, Include it as an option in the camera software. And yes, hey, if Shutterbug wants to have a play with raw images, they can. And then they'll find out there's an awful lot of work involved, an awful lot of shuffling files backwards and forwards for very little gain. But hey, it's it's a bullet point. That's not a huge amount of shuffle files back and forth because if you're using RAW, the chances are
0: you're on a Mac, you're uh, using something posh on there, and you'll be using Nokia's update to the photo transfer suite, which pulls off those extra images you get—not just the the images that you can share on social, but also the RAW, the um, pre-processing imaging when you're taking peer view pictures on there. So Nokia have, let's be fair here, reduced the amount of shuffling around of files that's needed to process RAW if you're up there with your Mavericks and your various uh, Mac PowerBooks and stuff like.
2: We don't necessarily know that that, uh, that uh, Nokia tool will actually handle and recognize the raw images in the DNG format. Also, of course, we've got um, the images themselves being absolutely huge. If you've just take, gone out and taken 100 photographs of landscape in raw format, you're going to be sitting there even on a fast USB connection while it all shuffles around. So I, I return to my point. The, the the PureView system in the Nokia Lumia 1020 and now the 1520 is good enough that Most of the time, you really are not going to need RAW. It's great to have as a bullet point. I'm not saying, let's not have it. It's great to have as an option, but I, for one, I'm going to use it once a year. And I suspect
1: the same is true of other 10, 20 fans. Yeah, I I think this is a good point. It's perhaps about perception, You know, creating the world's greatest camera phone and adding RAW as an option feels like you know a, a natural step and Nokia have been asked for this for quite a long time i had a chance to talk to the imaging team and say you know it's the one bit of feedback they've consistently got so i think there is demand out there for this and it at the same time i think steve's right it's you know specific applications um i wouldn't necessarily say People aren't going to use it because they've got a DSLR camera. I think it's the old old chestnut. It's the camera that you have with you. And the option to short, shoot in RAW mode is great, particularly the way it's been implemented. it You know, you actually get kind of this dual capture mode you get the five megapixel jpeg image plus you get the raw mode and i suspect there are people out there who will just happily put it into this mode and you're right steve most of the time they won't ever touch the raw image but occasionally they'll want to do a little bit more and they will process it themselves and you and you can produce some really stunning results if you know what you're doing you know the sort of high dynamic range type photographs just sort of producing things that aren't necessarily natural processing, but have some various things that apply to it. And I've certainly seen some images produced out of RAW that look absolutely stunning, and it tends to be the more artistic interpretation, I think it's fair to say. Uh, But at the same time, you're right. The assumption with RAW is you you choose to use RAW if you think the uh, the software on board the camera, be that a camera phone or something else, isn't doing a good job of doing the automatic processing I think on the whole, the 1020 and other Nokia devices do a very good job of interpreting what they see and producing a good JPEG image. But we've all encountered occasions where it hasn't quite got it right. And that's going to be the opportunity where because you've got the raw file sitting on your phone, you might be able to do something about this. What I would like to see, you know, Steve's right about the file sizes, there needs to be a better way of handling those and sort of maybe saying get rid of the raw images after a certain time or you know handling it that's all built in with the kind of the the kludge we have at the moment where you can't really access the high resolution files on the 1020 Uh, the same will of course apply to the 1520 at the same time you know saying this is a minority thing and that was kind of reflecting the fact it wasn't mentioned in the keynote I think Nokia's imaging team deserves a lot of credit for producing this. It's not a completely straightforward thing to do. You do have to think about it. It's going to undoubtedly appeal to people who want to get the best best camera phone. And uh, I think Steve's right. Personally, I'm not sure how much I'm going to use this until I try it out, uh, because actually I find the results produced from the 1020, or even for that matter, the 925, uh, are perfectly sufficient for me most of the time. But I can see, you know, those who spend a lot of time with a 1020, who spend a lot of time sharing their pictures onto Flickr and other kind of social photo-sharing sites, will be delighted by this. And there's there's definitely a wow element to this. You know, my phone can shoot in raw. You know, That's a, a, <laughs> a one-up in the kind of brinkmanship uh, competition, if you like. And it's no surprise to see Nokia is the one innovating here. But I suspect some of the other things they were doing around imaging are going to get far more mainstream use and have far bigger impact on the way people use their their phones and i know you've been trying out the nokia camera steve which is effectively kind of the merger of nokia pro camera and nokia smart camera into one app
2: yes absolutely um it seems to work pretty darn well it's before, you'd take Nokia Pro Camera and you'd have to tap on the lenses button on the screen and then it would, that would launch Nokia Smart Camera and, and the whole thing took you know, three seconds here, four seconds there, and it was all rather kludgy. Smart Camera is now built in as an extra shooting mode in the new newly named Nokia camera, and it, and it really works rather well. But just even leaving that aside, they've actually simplified the main UI as well, and this is also important, because when you launched Nokia Pro Camera before, you've got this whole row of six or seven icons along the top in really small font, and if you haven't got perfect dice, you think, well, we're, we're, which one's which and uh, do i really need to to see all those options all the time so what they've done is created a kind of not a beginner's ui but uh, a day-to-day ui at the top of the screen with just flash control and i'll just tap on it now to go from the two uh, flash control scene mode which is something they've lifted perhaps from the uh, Symbian and previous smartphone what well, smartphones they've done in the past with the night mode smart, sports mode and auto and then a little arrow if you want to bring up all the other options so a really nice enhancement hopefully they'll introduce more scene mode you know um, snow and um, concert and so forth i'm sure these the different combinations of different settings are quite easy to set up at nokia's end so we are expecting an update for nokia camera this week as we record this because there's a bug in the Current or uh, uh, reframing the zooming later code, which they have acknowledged, and that update is coming imminently. And I'm just hoping they can sneak in a few more scene modes as well, because that really would bring it up the same kind of level in terms of usability as the the day-to-day interface in the old Nokia 808 back on the symbian world the 1020s predecessor but uh, a really nice really nice job of integrating the two different cameras together the name itself nokia camera is a lot better than nokia pro cam it sounds less intimidating and yes it's it's two applications in one and it can only get better and better and i I think they're going to be updating this every few weeks for the next couple of months and uh, yeah
1: looking forward to it yeah, one of the things that caught my eye in terms of the update was that the self-timer has now improved. I think before you only had a, a two-second option. Now you've got yeah. um, some more times that you can choose. It's just little updates like that. Uh, but but what Steve was saying about this UI that kind of reveals itself, a self, self-disclosing self UI, it starts off simple and more settings are available very easily with just a few buttons, which and the same applies between switching between video and the smart mode. feels like the way it should be done. And I'm not sure Nokia really deserve, uh, get enough credit for implementing something like this because it's really hard to get it right. Um, And it's interesting to see that both the kind of pro users and the kind of, you know, more everyday users have been really pleased with this app. And I think that's a sign of something that's been implemented. Uh, really well staying with the the imaging stuff I just also wanted to get Steve's opinion on refocus because this is a new camera lens app that effectively is a bit like a smart camera or the burst mode but for different uh, focus states now, obviously, I haven't tried this, and you have. But I also should point out the most important point
2: is that I did, I've done tests, and there's an article up on the site um, comparing the image quality in these different modes. Because obviously, Nokia camera or Nokia program, you've got the full pure view oversampling and really high image quality. Then you get the standard Windows Phone camera which is the kind of kind of scrapes the sensor for a five megapixel shot, and that's not bad quality. And now it's Nokia Smart Camera, and this presumably in the, the refocus application. They're having to take lots of shots very quickly indeed because they, before the subject moves, basically, before your camera position moves. And as such, they're taking things so quickly that they, they really do reduce the image quality. So I'm sure the refocusing aspect is really a neat idea. And yes, you, know, you can take the shot and think, wow, yes, and I can go from the cat in the foreground, the plant in the background, the <laughs> hills in the background. And it's all very cool. But if you actually want a decent photograph, it's better to use the proper application and get the decent quality because Nokia Refocus, because of the very nature of how it works, will produce images that are
1: significantly lower in quality. And that's just my take. Yeah, that's right, Steve. So I, I can confirm that it's that, that kind of lower quality as you get with smart camera, you know, 5 megapixel uh, resolution and also kind of less detail i think that's fair enough in something that's a kind of a playful image really intended to be shared on social networks and actually that brings up a good point it's one of the things that i liked about the way from out of the gate it's possible to share this onto facebook the actual images are, are stored on your SkyDrive, so you've got good control over them there is some magic that happens on the nokia service when it's embedded into facebook um but having that ability to have that complete experience from capture to share, I think, is really important to get it out the gate. And those who remember Cinograph, it took a while before that was added in. The interesting thing here, there's also an everything-in-focus mode, and so you can kind of move through these images and see the focus changing, but there's also an option to have everything in focus. In order to do that, NOC is obviously combining multiple images together. And they're actually uh, calculating a depth field. doing. Everything in focus with a depth field is a relatively simple thing, but now that they're calculating a depth field, that means they could do an awful lot more with it. And there's potential for a great more, a great deal more kind of um, computational imagery or computational photography. And I think we'll see further developments in that area in due course. I look forward to trying this out. Uh, you know, I only saw the demo version of it, um, but it's going to be available on a number of the Lumia devices in due course. I guess the last imaging thing we should talk about, Steve, is Storyteller.
2: Yeah, now, as far as I can tell, Ray, forgive me for being a cynic here, but <laughs> um, it's all, as far as I can say, all Storyteller is, is, is a different way of browsing your photos, i.e. sorted by time and date and by location. And we've seen exactly the same thing on many other mobile platforms. I, I, I looked through all the demos, and yes, it was all very pretty, and yes, it's obviously better than the bog-standard camera roll, but I don't think it actually broke new ground in terms of functionality.
1: I, I think you're I think you're right. The one thing I will say is, until you try it out with your own images, it's a bit. Uh, it's easy to be kind of cynical about this, but anyway, I'm as far as I'm concerned, of making it easy to view images is a, a good idea. There's some nice touches in this. Um, it combines here maps, so you actually have a reason to geotag images now and therefore can look through them for location or through time. But you're right, really, this is just image browsing mediated through either location or through time, so you're doing some automatic sorting out. I mean, there are some clever bits of user interface that's presenting the photos in an attractive way. There are some nice touches in that it will integrate with Facebook, will integrate with SkyDrive, and so you'll also get the cloud Uh, photos coming into this uh, application and it's sort of this companion experience between both the windows phone device like the 1520 and the tablet the 2520 that worked pretty well but yes like you i was sort of surprised so much time was spent on it but you know i asked you know you know why emphasize this when effectively it's something that's kind of been done before even nokia themselves have done nokia lifeblood before now i think it's been more robustly implemented in this instance and it does provide a very effective way to kind of go back through memories and and the simple answer that from nokia was you know, photos are the most valuable thing that people store on their phone and they're not really being utilized properly and i i can certainly see that i mean i've got hundreds of images on various phones and even more stored on sky drive and various other locations and so a way to very easily go back through those is something to be welcomed and it'll be interesting to see whether i feel more positive about this when i can actually try it out with my own photo collection and suddenly go oh look i can go back through time or through space and and see where all of these are presented rather than having to go through a long camera roll or look through some folders on a, a computer and so i kind of want to reserve judgment for this one We'll have to wait and see.
0: There is going to be no wait and see for me on this one there. And, Rafe, you actually nailed the reasoning down on this in two phrases you said there, and this isn't Pantomo. The first one is Nokia knows how important, precious, and unique people's images are. And secondly, Nokia had Lifeblog, (laughs) past tense. Now, I used Lifeblog hugely. Um, I have about five or six years' worth of of photos in that. And for those of you who aren't aware of it, uh, this was a, a a handset and PC side uh, browser for your images that ran on Symbian. And Nokia just said, we're not doing it. We're not updating it anymore. We're not updating the client for the next version of yes We're not changing all over the codes or anything. They very, very slowly, basically, they let it die. So I have this huge amount of metadata, I have a timeline on my, my PC uh, I, I can't get the original files to reinstall it on the PC if it goes away again, I've had to scurry into the archives I because of that, I do not trust any system that is closed in nature for my images and my data. Uh, Nokia had the system, they lost it, they killed it and now they're saying, come and use this system because this system gives you a fizzy map at the side. And <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, Nokia, my images are precious to me. They're only precious to you when they affect your bottom line. Uh, I'm the, out.
1: The, the the interesting element of this is actually it works on top of kind of the existing photo structure. And so there's far less kind of curation that you needed to do uh, yeah, compared so to LifeBlog. Lifeblog.
0: Lifeblog has it all in a directory structure as well.
1: Well, as I say, we'll we'll have to wait and see on this one. But yes, I think uh, there are some questions given the past record about how long this will continue. But I think uh, and how is...
0: to get it out again when you've, they decide to kill it, and you have to switch over to um, uh, whatever system Microsoft are going to be using under Live Photos or something. Can you get the data back out again? Which you can't do on Live Blog. That's nope. I'm out.
1: Okay, there we go. you and maybe more sceptical about this. I'm I'm looking forward to giving this a try. It was one of the things that was really pushed at Nokia World. We haven't really been able to get through everything there was at Nokia World. There were some third-party apps. I guess the one big one is Instagram. So thank goodness we can stop talking about that. But there were plenty of other uh, apps that were talked about. Xbox Video. I think that's going to be a big one in the lead up to Christmas. But also plenty of other third-party applications. I think the one that kind of caught my eye is probably having broad appeal is Flipboard. Um, but is there anything else uh, you and that caught your eye in terms of the new third party apps?
0: I just love the idea that we're going to stop talking about Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> At is last. Tra- yeah, no, not going to happen. Uh, Vine is an intriguing one as well. Uh, Vine is uh, Twitter's video six second clip thing. Um, as opposed to Instagram, which now has a little bit of video, but it's mostly pictures known by Facebook. Um, I'm intrigued to see how, Those two official clients compared to Rudy Hughes' third-party clients, uh, both SixTag and SixSec, are wonderful clients that that, that do the the Vine and Instagram client experience incredibly well. Um, They should just have given him a dump truck of money and bought the code off them rather than code their own ones up, to be perfectly honest. Uh, So the comparison there is going to be interesting. I was disappointed to see that the Xbox, live gaming brand wasn't given a little bit more prominence um i, I know that there's something like dragon's adventure for the 2520 with um how to train your dragon 2 coming out uh as going on and a, a lot of repeats coming up you know it's just like oh nimbus is coming up but it's on asha whatsapp whatsapp is out and what's wonderfully on asha uh, and the titles that were available that came out for example temple run 2 is very very briefly mentioned uh, we don't know if that's an exclusive or a timeline on that one. Uh, what was the other day? They, they had a Rail Rush, uh, which was a clone of Temple Rush 2. So you can see why they glanced over Temple Rush 2. Uh, a lot of nice games. But the, the, again, it seemed to be that Nokia just wanted to look at two handsets. But they had six handsets and lots of software that they could have announced. Uh, and so I really don't think that they served software very well. Uh, out of Nokia, or at least f- from outside of the bubble looking in. And it's, we know Nokia can do hardware. I mean, that, that's a given. That's been a given since people used the Nokia 9000 communicator to hammer in nails when they were building the Eiffel Tower. Uh, but it's, it's all about software now. Uh, and I didn't, yes, they had their homegrown stuff, but in terms of third-party software, I think that Nokia will drop the ball. They could have spent a lot of time. I you know, developers, 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 to coin a phrase. There wasn't anything that that screamed to third party people, come and do Lumia. It was we've done Lumia software, not other people have done Lumia software. And i I think it would be nicer to have far more people come out and see to go, look at the cool things they can do when we give them a twenty five twenty. Like they did with the fifteen twenty with the camera with the National Geographic Photographer. Um I think that with the world's eyes media and tech press looking at nokia nokia were very selfish and i think that they could have been a bit more open
1: it's interesting you say that because i actually felt that there was more emphasis on that than i've seen at some other nokia world events you were talking about national geographic they were on stage to talk about the uh, camera capabilities it wasn't so much uh, app centric but it was uh, a partner but it's always going to be a tension at these kind of events do you focus on the hardware and the the key big news or do you bring on some of the partners you know and they did have you know vine come on stage and talk about what they were doing they had flipboard come on stage they had ea come on stage and talk about uh fifa 14 they also had some of the people who had done uh, imaging applications come on on stage uh, you know there were quite a few that were being demoed in the kind of the experience area or the demo area and, you know, there's some impressive apps in there. But it's interesting, they didn't get as much attention from the media as the new devices did. And I think when you produce new devices, particularly when you've got, you know, what are effectively two big-deal flagship devices in the form of the fifteen twenty and the twenty five twenty, other stuff does get left behind. I mean, if I was going to be critical about the app stuff, it was all catch-up stuff. There was very little that was uh, new and innovative. Uh, the exception to that may be the, the stuff from... Uh, you know how to ride your dragon, and you know also the Nokia kind of imaging stuff there were some breaking some new ground there, but it I guess is reflective of the app gap that Windows phone you know suffers from that It was a lot of catch-up. So having said that, you know, finally getting Instagram, you know, it was a sort of big sigh of relief, particularly...
0: We don't have it yet. Calm down, calm down. Well, that's true. It's a
1: a few weeks away. Uh, But it does kind of sort of fulfil the 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 prophecy that got talked about earlier this year, that some of the the app things on Windows Phone would start to become less of an issue and that they'd get all the big apps. And with the likes of Flipboard, with Vine, with Instagram... Uh, you know, also some of the others that were coming out. I mean, there's Cam Scanner as well. There's some, you know, PicFeed, Plex. Some of those are kind of secondary level. ones that are popular on Android and iPhone, but it does feel there's far fewer now that people can go. Oh, it hasn't got that app. Uh, it doesn't have the breadth still, and that's going to continue to be an issue. And it'll be maybe a local banking app or something like that. Um, but I suspect the number of people that are going to be able to go. I'm not switching to Windows Phone because it doesn't have app X. is reducing and will continue to reduce. And maybe that's the message that came out of uh, Nokia World. And, you know, there was plenty of encouragement about what developers can do. And I think actually Nokia gave more t- time and space to third party developers than most manufacturers do at their launch events. Um, I guess there's inevitably always going to be a certain amount of selfness and honestly if you ask the media there what they want to hear about is the new hardware they're less interested in apps and probably Nokia did the right thing by just uh, getting a few of them up on stage and then flashing sort of 20 or 30 icons and say by the way these are also all coming to Windows Phone as well.
0: I think that class is an, an average-to-good save there, Rafe. Um, <laughs> I, but while you're speaking there, there is one thing that I want to draw my attention about, uh, and it is quite a critical thing. But in terms of perception, um, can I talk about the, the actual stream of the Keynote for 30 seconds here? Of course. Because, uh, obviously, Rafe, you had a perfectly good 25 frames per second HD clarity view, almost retina display quality of the Keynote. I did. Which I believe in old language translates as "you are in the audience." Uh, Steve and I were back here watching on the web stream, um, or at least I was watching about eighty percent of the web stream, and Steve managed about half of it. Yeah,
2: yeah, it it was off okay, but it did taper off yeah. a bit towards the end.
0: And twelve hours later, we have the Apple keynote, which has significantly more interest and a rock solid hd stream now i know that that doesn't impact on the products but the fact that the nokia presentation was stuttering and jumping and losing information and the apple stream was as solid as a rock on exactly the same equipment at my end um and to be fair with much more traffic at the apple one i i just think that it, it didn't show this uh, uh, an attention to detail that a modern ce company actually needs to do
1: uh, that's an interesting one Obviously, I saw it in real time. That's perhaps a bit too much gazing from a you know, media, the press point of view. But yes, you're right. It is something that you should be all right. But
0: does it not say something about the attitude of the company when they go, here's a good enough stream?
1: Absolutely. You need to make sure that sort of thing is rock solid. I mean, as I say, you can over-emphasize this, and I don't want to get too much into to detail. But people watching online, you know, your early adopters, your evangelists, your enthusiasts – are a really important part of product launches now. And so making sure you have a a solid stream is part of it. I don't think Nokia made a deliberate decision to do that or anything like that. uh, But it's uh, an important factor. I mean, you you might put it down to that just being held in Abu Dhabi. I I don't think that's a factor. They had first-rate infrastructure. And interestingly, just while we're on the subject of Abu Dhabi, Nokia holding the event there made it feel like a, a much more global event. Kind of unusual to see a big product launch like that. Out in the Middle East, you know, we're accustomed to having them in Western Europe or somewhere in the States, and so that created an interesting flavour. I mean, as always, the location could have been everywhere. Um, we were speaking English all the time in hotel and conference venues. It was one of the busier events I've been to, and actually, I didn't really have enough time to get round everything I wanted to when you have several big products launching like that there's uh, sometimes a lack of clarity but what I will say is I don't actually think the keynote delivered as clear a message as it sometimes does thinking back to something like the 1020 which I think did a great job of detailing you know this breakthrough camera phone product partly a result of having multiple devices on the stage but partly also you know spending more time than I would have done on storyteller not mentioning the kind of Nokia music bundle with a tablet, maybe spending less time on imaging than I was expecting. I mean, they did have an imaging seminar later on. It just felt to me it wasn't quite as polished or quite as hitting all the messaging points home as well. And to hear you then talk about the stream as well um, makes me kind of feel that actually the keynote itself at uh, this Nokia World 2013 perhaps wasn't as polished as it has been in the past in more than one department. But if I step back from that and look at the products and say, I think Nokia did a very good job presenting products that in some ways weren't as mainstream as they have been at previous Nokia. Well, this isn't, you know, a 920 light product, which is intended to be the one flagship product for the year or the key flagship product. These are actually, you know, products that, sit more towards the edge of the portfolio and that's that's why i was more interested in some of the imaging innovation and some of the services they were launching which will apply to all the lumia devices including lumia black which we haven't mentioned but actually there was very little detail on at nokia world just some updates for the glance screen so uh, you know come come away from that event with mixed feelings so It's interesting to hear your perspective on that you
0: Indeed. Uh, we'll carry on with our perspectives, as always, back on the website, allaboutwindowsphone.com. Uh, if you'd like to put in the trailing www, then um, that's just for me and uh, one person uh, in China who hasn't quite worked out how to get around the firewall. Uh, <laughs> it's great, uh to be back. Um, I'm off now to the Web Digital Summit over in Dublin for two days to try and find out what uh, Silicon Valley is doing uh, and mobile-wise in and- of stuff in terms of payment, advertising uh, and discovery and so on. Uh, Steve's going to carry on looking at the imaging over the next couple of days uh, from the stuff. And uh, Rafe, what else do we have planned for the sites uh, over the next week or two?
1: Well, I've got some more bits from Nokia. I want to talk about some of the screen technology in the 1520. Also be delving into some of the imaging stuff as well. Uh, You can expect us to be covering the devices themselves in more detail in due course. We should have the Fifteen twenty. some extra information on that in due course
0: right then there so there we go all
2: remains for me to say thank you as always to the all about team thank you to steve lichfield thank you very much and i just would like to point out that to you and when you when you always lambast ray for going on and and going over the allotted chess clock times you asked for 30 seconds on the stream and you went we went on for about 10 minutes so uh we need a chess clock at your end as well <laughs> and also to apologize to the list. it, it absolutely the, went for if the connection has broken up. Like
0: the, uh, but, but to, 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 actually, to be fair, uh, that my point only did go on for 30 seconds at my end. You just might have had some caching issues. Uh, so thank you to Steve. Thank you also to Rafe Banford.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening.
0: Uh, thank you all out there for listening as well for myself and the team. As always, all about com for your comments, Facebook.com, Twitters, and the usual uh, social media sources for interactions throughout the time. So we will catch you back on the website and here on the podcast next week maybe even slightly sooner, depending how we're feeling on Friday. But for now, to stay safe.